Coming up this week, off screen. Jason Statham fights a ruddy shark. And there are some other movies too. All of us coming more off screen. This is. This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Gogh. And I am Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, it's finally Meg Week. Meg Week is here. It's happening. It's, it's happening. It's happening right now. I've not seen it, but I will. I'll probably see it five times. Probably. I, I can yeah. imagine you would. I mean, we've had Skyscraper Week, we had Ant-Man Week, but nothing comes close to the sheer joy uh, I've had going into uh, Meg Week. Meg Week. Meg Week. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that obviously is... That's going to be the button. Clearly is. It, it's important that that is so obviously going to be our button next week when it's number one, when it's inevitably number one in the box office next Yeah, week. because who doesn't want to see Jason Statham fight a giant shark? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best part is, I mean... I, I, no, I could make a real obvious gag, but I could make a great gag about it. But um, unfortunately, it does involve uh, spoiling the third act, which I have no interest in doing. I want you to enjoy the mag as much as you mm. humanly can. Good. Um, so, <laughs> before we get to uh, the box office top five, the reviews, the news, all the usual fun, let's have a piece of news uh, to kick us off. Um, I believe something tectonic has happened this week. I mean, like, shock, like, like like a plate shifting. <laughs> that happens every week in Hollywood, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah, lately. Um, so, um, you know those Oscars that happen? Them Oscars. Them Oscars. Them Oscars. Yeah. Um, people watch um, every year. Uh, every year, less people watch. It, it would seem. But then again, is that not just a sign of the times in general? That's not really about the Oscars. That's just people in general. I guess, yeah. Or, yeah. Pe- or people watch it later on demand or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, it's it's worried, the, the higher-ups. And, and so, in an effort to combat that, they've uh, put in some uh, some new new ideas, shall, shall we say? Well, that have been divisive. It's been shall we say. it's been two decades since the last new idea, and that was maybe we should give cartoons their own category, which was great. I don't think anyone was disparaging that. Good idea. Um, yep. So they are adding a new category. That category is uh, outstanding achievements in popular film. Well, that sounds patronising. Doesn't it? There's a lot a of theories bit. behind this, and none of them make ABC or Disney look or the Oscars good. look very good. Also, um, hang on, if it's based on popular films, Batman versus Superman was popular. If you really want to get down to it, well, like, how are we quantifying popularity? Popular, yeah. Are we are we doing it for the it, box office? It's the is, film is, that gets is, all is the it dates. Money? That's what it is. It's yeah. the film, film that gets asked out on all the cool dates. <laughs> yeah, we go to all the best parties. <laughs> we know all the best words. That film was the first one in the group to lose its virginity. Anyway. I mean, if we're going by popular vote, Hillary will be be president. Yeah, exactly. uh, So maybe that's where they got the idea from. That's totally it. Yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, that that is a category. How do we quantify it? I was having this discussion with my wife last night. Mm -hmm. We're thinking the only way you can quantify it is the film that makes the most money. And then is it it domestic box office? Is it worldwide? Is it international? Mm. Because there's films that come out in China. Is it, and, what, is it whatever makes the most Chinese well? money? Exactly. Yeah. 
Because we could live in a world where Skyscraper wins an Oscar. Or the Meg. Or the Meg. Or the Meg. What are we talking <laughs> Basically, <laughs> the Meg is your first right. popular film Oscar winner. I, I put a tweet out earlier that was the dream, you know, that this that the next Fury Road wins a faux Best Picture Oscar. The reality, Hobbs and Shaw could now win a faux Best Picture Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of thing, the, the, the first film to win it, mm. is it even going to feel like it's won an Oscar? Is it? Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. Or was, is, is it like a consolation prize kind of thing? This thing there's a, a sort of conspiracy, cynical conspiracy theory, isn't there, about yeah. Black Panther? This this is the cynical mm. point that we've been talking about. So, obviously, uh, the Oscars is shown on ABC. Yeah. ABC's parent company is Disney. It Disney is. Disney own Marvel. They Marvel do. bought out Black Panther. Black Panther did they amazingly did. well, rightly so. It did. Made all the loot, made all the money. It did. Would never usually be considered to be a best picture. Which is annoying because it's a great movie. It's so great. It 100% could be in these top 10 nominee lists. And that that was the whole point of increasing the nominees to 10. Yeah. Was to include those kind of films. That's why we had District 9 to be nominated for an Oscar. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, like, really, they, they already tried to cover it. It just has not brought in viewers. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like we've just been saying, it smacks of Disney just being like, this is the way that we're going to get these films, <laughs> our films, to get we nominated. We finally get Marvel Oscars. <laughs> yeah. And so it just, it, it smacks of uh, mm. desperation a little bit, which hey, sucks. Do you think this means Infinity War could potentially win that Oscar? Could be the first film to win that Oscar? If it's going to be February next year? Yeah. It, it it could feasibly Infinity War could win that Oscar. I mean that would be great, wouldn't it? it? It could, but it feels like Black Panther is the one that they really push. Yeah, yeah, it is. Or you yeah. know, if we're going by box office, wouldn't Incredibles two be the current highest grossing? Is that not? But then, oh no, Infinity War hit two billion, didn't it? It hit yes. two billion. Okay, that's why I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, um, Incredibles two is the highest animated. Ah. but then like, aren't they marginalising the? chances of winning best anime like yeah you could have a film that is <laughs> kind of worms exactly it's the popular film could be best film and animation <laughs> yeah and like we, we could have a documentary film like the mr rogers film oh yeah, yeah. Uh, please be my neighbor or something well, yeah won't, won't you be my neighbor won't you be my neighbor yeah. yeah that's done insanely well in america it that's has. definitely the definition of a popular film it's gonna make no money here it made no money over here People people watch it because we've kind of heard them. But did it actually get released here? I I've had nothing. It, it might have had like a limited run. I've not even had any press releases about it. That's, that's bizarre. Okay, I'm gonna have to look into that. But the thing is, it's it's a popular film as well as being a documentary. Yeah. So could that feasibly be nominated for both? <laughs> the next Blackfish is going to be insane. <laughs> Blackfish, two two black, two fish, two black, two fish. That would work. Yeah, but um, there's way more to unpack about this, so we'll talk about it later. Definitely. Okay. So in the meanwhile. Um, Let's plug the podcast. We're going to get that in real quick. So, uh, Podcast Edition, which we love because it has extra films and it has uh, Moment of Cage. and Well, we love that. Yeah, so, find that on Acast, on iTunes, on Deezer, Deezer. on Stitcher, on all whatever platforms. podcast platform you like. They're, it's on all of them. Uh, in the meanwhile, we should uh, crack on with, I believe, our first film of the week. Which is, I don't know. <laughs> it's The Darkest Minds. I'll save you the suspense. Uh, the Darkest City of... The, the darkest city of bones, games. Mo- mortal hunger, divergent maze running, maze running. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that, that's totally it. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, slash X Men, slash X Men, Wizarding maybe. World. 
Uh, of course. Wizarding World of. And where to find them. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, this is a YA adaptation of the first oh, book of, I think, a six-book series. Cool. Yeah. So, we've um, got to get this. Uh, so we got, we've got to have the obligatory first film. You know the one before they realise that it's not going to make a huge amount of money and it's not worth continuing. Yeah. You know, like they did three quarters of the way into Divergent. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, surely say the darkest minds until the last one. So the yeah. first one, dark. darkish minds, darkish minds, dark minds, darkish minds. <laughs> right. So you've got a young girl played by Amanda Stedler who has grown up in a world in which an airborne virus has 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 affected all uh, children under the age of eighteen. It has wiped out 80 90 percent of them and the remaining the survivors have emerged uh with mutant powers so far so x-men right wow. although this is literally terrogenesis from uh inhumans and agents of shield hmm. it's the terrogenesis idea but it only affects under 18s so children in this new world are rounded up into what are effectively concentration camps where they are then re-educated brainwashed and to be used as government soldiers amanda stedler breaks out of one of these with the help of a sympathetic doctor dr kate Cotter, played by mandy moore who i think had the weekend off from this is us by the look of it and uh, she sets out she finds a group of uh, that's my phone falling down sorry um she sets out she finds a group of survivors and uh, a group of fellow teen kid survivors also with powers she forms a group with them of course there's a love triangle of course there's there's twists and betrayals and of course if you've ever seen an x-men movie you know every beat of what's to come here's a clip wow floating lanterns no yeah no. no. <laughs> it's okay, I won't hurt you. I know. That's right, you're the mind reader. I can't read minds. I can barely understand my own thoughts. You're really beautiful. What? I just said you're... You're really beautiful. Do you remember that uh, drive-in horror movie in The Simpsons, the Space Mutants thing? Yes. Uh, where it says, oh, the night's so beautiful. Not as beautiful as you. Remember that really cheesy dialogue? There's a lot of that in this. Um, it's really nuts and bolts. It feels patronisingly like it's cashing in on, on the, y, the YA craze, even though it's come about at what I'd, I'd like to believe is the tail end of this whole craze now. Um, yeah. You think it's kind of over, isn't it, the YA thing? What was the last really big YA film? Wasn't that the last Maze Runner film? I think that... Yeah, and even that wasn't but really... That wasn't... That wasn't big. Yeah, didn't set the box office light, really, did it? No. Um, so, this feels like uh, somebody watched The Gifted and thought, ah, we could do that as a movie... It feels like someone sat through the X-Men box set in a weekend and thought, I want to do that bit, that bit, that bit, and that bit, John Peter style. You know, I want a giant spider in the third act. Um, it has everything, even the moment in which uh, the Magneto pulls the gate down in the concentration camp. You literally get that moment. Mm. And you're like, hang on, this is actually made by the same company that makes the X-Men movies. No one noticed this. This apparently went past, uh, went over everyone's heads. Right, and I, and we're not getting New Mutants for a while. <laughs> exactly, because if it hadn't been delayed, wouldn't New Mutants be here now? Yeah. So this could have had a rival that actually was X-Men, run by the same studio. That is bizarre. When was... Was that supposed to be February or April or... When was it? Oh, I think it's isn't it early next year now. 
It, it is now. It is now. But originally, but... I think it was either February or April when it was supposed to be mm. coming out. So it's one of those yeah. films that's filmed in, you know, the now well-utilised Atlanta, Georgia film lots, you know, because of all the great tax breaks. I feel like everything is in Everything's Georgia. filmed there, isn't even, it? Even about who is America. Yep. It's, yeah. Right. This one takes it up a notch. She actually goes to find Sanctuary, you know, with her mutant friends. And it's actually Sanctuary from The Walking Dead. Do you know at the end of the train tracks? Oh, right. It's the same it's place. The same place. And you're like, oh, your sanctuary is the same as Walking Dead Sanctuary, except <laughs> theirs was filled with cannibals. Um, it does feel so rote, so tried, so worn, so overly familiar, so repetitive. You've seen everything in this movie before. You've seen, I know you've seen everything, everything. So you, you know Amanda Stenberg can be a lot better than this. She's blatantly slumming it here. Mm. I believe it's uh, Charlie Dickinson from uh, 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 Beach Rats, I think. Um, and uh, he he's done better before. This is just really not up to much. It's got uh, who's the the uh, Brienne of Tarth? Oh, uh, Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn Christie. It's got Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, it's got you kind of. It's got those adult actors. She's got two scenes. Yeah. Right. Okay. She's got two scenes. And if you know your superhero movies, I'm just going to say how they got rid of Danny Houston at the end of Wolver- uh, end of X Men Origins. That's it. That's her contribution to this movie. Okay. It is so just dull. You sat through the whole thing thinking, I couldn't care less about these very generic characters. At one point, there's a love triangle tossed in because YA. And you just think, I couldn't care less about any of the three of you. You know, go with who you like. I honestly couldn't care less. Oh, look, here's some superpowers. And then you get to the ending and they want to cram in a load of world building. Mm. And there's just where a character literally just vanishes and sets up a revolution at one point. I mean, why not? Like, you can just get that on Craigslist. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to purchase one of your revolutions, please. Uh, Revolution for hire. (laughs) No time wasters, please. Um, That's it. I mean, I came away from the whole thing thinking... Do you remember Mutant X? That really awful uh, Fox X-Men rip-off TV series from the, sort of around, the t- around the turn of this century? Vaguely. Vaguely. This is like YouTube Red decided to reboot Mutant X. That's absolutely what this feels like. It's, it's aimed seemingly at 12-year-old girls who don't know who the X-Men are. And frankly, they'd probably be infinitely more excited to actually see an X-Men movie. This is just not worth your time. With the latest film news and reviews... This is off screen. And we're back, Mr. Allen. Hi. So, do you like Hi. dogs? Uh, I mean. So, can I do it the Brad Pitt way? Say dags. Nice. <laughs> well done. <laughs> You've been working on that for a long time. Take that. <laughs> I lose one that for that. I can't understand a word that you're saying, which means that is a pretty spot <laughs> pretty on. Good, <laughs> just because you Brad can't Pitt's understand it. I watched a bit of Snatch the last one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah uh, famously, more of a cat person. You are indeed, yes. Yeah, so. I kind of have like a cat and a half. I've got a cat that lives in my house and members a stray cat that comes outside my yeah, house. I, I, have, I have seen it. He's, he's probably uh, there now. He's very threatening. He is very threatening. He's not threatening at all. He's lovely. He's it, amazing. It's just the way he stands there. It's like Bart Simpson flying the kite at night. Hello, <laughs> Hello mother dear. <laughs> yeah. I answer, my, answer the phone to my mum that way all the time. Really? <laughs> just with Bart Simpson's And she, she doesn't understand the reference. Uh, no, she got the reference 20 years ago. I think she's forgotten it since. Right. But anyway, back to the point. So you, you're a cat person. Uh, do you like Mother's Day, New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day? Do you like those movies? As in, oh, the films or the days? Well, the, well, I mean, I mean, do you like the days? The answer to both is no. Okay. Right. Um, well, I've got bad news for you because the format of Mother's Day, Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve, as a 
film has now been revived for dog days. Right. Which I mean, not not a day. Not a day. I know. Not, not a, a day. day. But uh, this is directed by Ken Marino, of all people. Remember Ken Marino? I know. I like... You know, I, I didn't pen Ken Marino to be the new Gary Marshall. No, no. I no. never looked at Ken Marino and thought that you should clearly be the new Gary Marshall. You're going to take up the, the day franchise? Yeah, he has taken it over. Yeah. He's done the same thing. He's gone and got himself a, a sort of... Uh, well, actually, not as movie star calibre a cast as those as the Gary Marshall movies. He's got more TV calibre. So he's got, for instance, Nina Dobrev. He's got Adam Pally. He's got Vanessa Hudgens and TV cast. You know, like anyone who's been on, like, Scrubs or, yeah. or The CW. <laughs> you know, anyone who's been on one of those shows. Like, were you in Happy Endings? Come aboard! Yeah. You know, it's one of those movies. Um, it's like a rom-com slash drama. It's like 22 short films about Springfield or shortcuts, an anthology movie. The only link between all of these characters is the existence of dogs. Not that they have dogs. Not that they like dogs. Simply that dogs exist. Must like dogs. So, must like the existence of Of dogs. dogs. (laughs) Here is Adam Pally, who's been forced to look after his overbearing sister's uh, uh, dog while she goes off and selfishly gives birth. He is a uh, a slacker musician. a B word. I know. He's a slacker musician case. He lives in this this run-down, (laughs) yet strangely massive downtown LA loft. How can he afford it? That was exactly what I asked. I'll tell you what, here's a clip of him doing... Dog trafficking. Twist. I know you've seen a film. I've, I've wrote you a better film. No, no, no. I've got better. I've got better. I've got, oh. Along the same lines. But let me play the clip. This is Adam Pally being woken up by a large dog. So what you were saying, the, the, the twist is that he's in dog traffic. I actually yes. have, in my notes for this film, I genuinely have the following note. Extra star if this movie ends with the reveal that Michael Cassidy's character is a serial killer. Update, they do not do this. Yeah. Uh, Shame. Yeah. Missed opportunity. So the dogs don't talk. It's important to get that out of the way, so thank God for that. They don't, they don't talk. What was that, Will Arnett? Oh dear. What was that? Show dogs? Show dogs. Show dogs. Just not like that. No, there is no ludicrous playing a dog here. Um, there's, it's Mother's Day grade writing. Right. That, that's the best way to call it. It's been uh, written by uh, two relatively unknown writers. Um, it feels very televisual, but kind of up to the grade of same Mother's Day at best. It has the same exact setup. It has that same look, that same fluffy, everything's bright, colourful, made for a 4K TV. Until the dog dies. <laughs> well, but actually, let's, let's get to that, because that's always the issue with these films. Does the dog die? Here's the problem with that. Asking that of this film is kind of hedging your bets, because there are four dog storylines in this one of them is gonna die well there's only four endings to you know, stock endings to these family-friendly dog movies and there are four dog storylines so just gonna put it out there yeah um one of the dogs gets adopted i'm not i'm not that's, confirming or denying that's 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 usually one of i'm not endings, confirming or denying i'm not confirming or denying anything i'm gonna leave you in suspense you're gonna have to see the movie case and you've got a screening link so you damn well know you can watch it. yeah but i've also got access to better films um, <laughs> you really do i'm trying to think of another one of the endings uh one of the dogs is actually the reincarnated soul of a cat dad oh no no that one is a la, not a, la, a la fluke 
Oh, yeah. you just sound like you're doing a dog's purpose now. Uh, well, that's, that's what a dog's purpose... It was just the film Fluke from yeah. the 90s. Uh, other notes I have. Uh, how does this unemployed stoner possibly afford a loft this size in downtown LA? Right. Literal TV presenters live in this building, we are shown. Seriously. Uh, uh, Nina Dubrav, TV presenter, lives in this same building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just weird. Okay. Um, oh, let's... I mean, it's rubbish. It is rubbish. I mean, it's nuts and bolts stuff that I think might appease the very middle-of-the-road tastes. Um, but it is kind of, you know, family-friendly drivel with a bit of a rom-com thing in there. And you know what? Nina Dobrev's very likable in it. And uh, Vanessa Hudgens, I, I think, has actually got more charisma than she normally offers on these things. But, uh, and, and, it's got a film role for Ron Cephas Jones. Oh, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to the best part, I've forgotten his name. He's just, you know, from uh, Luke, Luke Cage to me. And this is, he's, he's amazing in This Is Us. Oh, yeah, well, I, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gotten into This Is Us yet. I will, I will. Oh. Okay, so let me just go through the last couple of nitpicks. Uh, there is a synth pop cover of Who Let the Dogs Out. Um, this this aggression must not stand. Um, <laughs> is, yes. is there anything Jack Hansen off world for it? <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Ken Marino. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, of course, yes, I cried because it's quite mechanically emotionally manipulative. Like, I'll give it that. Like, even a rubbish film can make you cry. A Dog's Purpose made me shed a tear, and A Dog's Purpose is complete drivel. Yeah, but it's also a documentary about how badly dogs are treated <laughs> on a film set. <laughs> Apparently, yes. Yeah. Um, there are outtakes on the end. This baffled me, what? because the, the outtakes for this film consist of, literally... People just stood around, actors stood around on the set, yeah. having conversations. Just regular conversations about anything. And then every now and again, one of them will burst into hysteria, Jimmy Fallon style, to try and punctuate a gag that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly like that, with the hand clap, yeah. yes. Um, it's like the end credits answer to... Uh, do you know what, I'm not even going to finish that one. Um, there is an awful gag that, about Bed Bath & Beyond that's also really, really forgettable. And they have to actually thank Bed Bath & Beyond at the end of the film for this for this gag. Seriously. Um, anyway, uh, I have no idea why uh, Ken Marino has revived this format. Not a clue. Don't know why. Uh, my big takeaway from it all is that between this and Baywatch, John Bass is just absolutely slaying it without his league female co-stars. He really is, because he's gone from... Uh, who was CJ in Baywatch? Oh, um, the blonde lady. The blonde lady. Uh, uh, Kelly Rohrbach. Kelly Rohrbach? Yes. Yeah. Kelly Rohrbach. He's gone from right. Kelly Rohrbach to Vanessa Hudgens. And, and yeah, he still looks like a trout. He still looks like... And, and he plays to it. He plays to And it. his name is Bass. <laughs> <laughs> what? John Trout just didn't sound as cool. No. Um, okay, t- having said that, I, I'm, I'm, it's a two-star film, and I'm going to give it one of those stars entirely because there is a sequence set during a baby shower in which they accidentally, offhandedly, play the score to Schindler's List. Um, you, you get a star from me just for that. Yeah, exactly. It's a brilliant gag, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, have, have, I'm, I'm struggling to find the gag. Yeah, they just play the score from Schindler's List, and the whole gag is, this is not very cheerful. You're like, yeah, no gar, it's Schindler's List. And have a guess which actor it is who puts this on, by the way. Ben Kingsley. Thomas Lennon. Remember Thomas Lennon? <laughs> yeah, I love Thomas Lennon. Yeah. He's oh, is, is one of the shower gifts, just like a little red coat. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. See, that, that's a level of intelligence you would expect from Ken Marino, isn't it? But yeah. no, you don't. You don't actually get that. Um, so no, I mean, <laughs> this is one for your mom, less for yourself. My dog sat and watched it though in relative peace. Oh, that's um, good. So have you got a piece of news for me before we do the top ten? The top five, sorry, top ten. Yeah, do you know this old uh, Sonic movie that's coming out? I'm familiar with it. Doesn't it star James Marsden? Is it James Marsden? It is. Yeah. yeah. 
and I want to say Tika Sumter. You would be correct. Oh my god, and that was a, that was a reach. Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey is Robotnik. How'd I forget that? Which yeah. is we we watched Betrayal for Kidding. Yes, we did. That looks insane. It looks bonkers. I, I want it. I want did it you now. say Michelle Gondry? Michelle Gondry, isn't it? Yeah, is a producer, and Jim Carrey's. I think he's produced it as well. But it just looks like a Michelle Gondry film. <laughs> it really does. Which we've not really had uh, for a while. So that's pretty great. But. um We've got a voice for Sonic. Yeah, who's the and voice? I, I love it. Uh, ben Schwartz. Oh, I mean, I mean that. Yeah. I can see that. Actually, he kind of looks weirdly like Sonic. When he's John Ralphio and he's got the hair up, yeah. he kind of looks like he Sonic. Kind of looks like an anthropomorph- anthropomorphized Sonic the Hedgehog. You could just dye his hair blue. And yeah, it could be Sonic. Oh, please tell me that's actually the movie because I just want to see I'd him like that. Barry Allen style running around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just Ben Schwartz with big blue hair waving. Do you by know, him. What? he would be a great live action version uh, of the elongated man. I was for all plastic man. They, they have one of those. I know, but in a film. Oh, oh, in a film. Yeah, <laughs> of course, because as the uh, one of us has proven this week, uh, they really don't care what's going on on TV. No. They're just going to greenlight what they like for film, regardless of whether or not it exists on television. It, it, it is days until we get the announcement of the Green Arrow film. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah. Okay, should we do the uh, top five for this week? Why not? Number five. Hotel Transylvania three um, colon. Summit vacation, a monster vacation, monster vacay. I think there's a there's a different title overseas. Something like the summer vacation or something. It's like a weirdly like a really bizarre petty little title change. I hate what they do. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, We've got another one of those coming up this week, by the way, starring John. uh, In this show, starring John Hamm, where we've got a really crappy UK title. Mm. Um, So Transylvania Three. It's you know it's the standard holiday sequel. It's like Alvin Chipmunk's Chipwrecked. Yeah, it's it's that again. But it's animated, and there's this whole storyline about you know Dracula dating. Um, it's fine if you really like the first two, I yeah. guess. I'm not particularly in love with them. They're, I like the animation style because I like Tarkovsky's. I've enjoyed the first two. That's the thing. I've, I I just forgotten about them over time. Like yeah. they were fine when I saw them, but they've not stuck with me or anything. The only thing I remember I th- is like, I really think, like I think, animation. I think the f- yeah, the, the actual style is really good. Yeah. I think the first one actually really holds up. Yeah, like, we watched it. It was on TV recently. We watched a little bit of it. It's really good. I think when the trilogy's out on Home End, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give them. I'll give. I'll give it a go, good go through. Yeah, I did that with the Ice Age movies a couple of years ago, and I, I got a lot out of them. I think doing that. But has anyone uh, tweeted us on this on this subject at all? Right, I don't think this is the actual John Wick, but anyway, <laughs> uh, John Wick underscore three. <laughs> okay, and the picture is just is just John Wick says. In fact, can you read this, but read it as Keanu? Because you do a way better... <laughs> you want me to do a Keanu? <laughs> you do a way better Keanu piece than me. Okay, okay. Let me pull up the trees. I'll, I'll do you a Keanu. <laughs> this is a first for us. <laughs> I love this film series. <laughs> Beautiful story. Nice animations. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Hashtag Hotel Transylvania 3. <laughs> That's my Keanu. Okay, there we are. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Number four. Incredibles 2. I loved it. You yeah, loved it. Yeah, it was great. Great Pixar sequel. Yeah. Uh, did you know, actually, this is the longest uh, Pixar movie, actually. I didn't realise it. At just under two hours, it is the longest for running time for any of the Pixar movies. Huh. And I didn't it does, know this. It does feel longer. Like, not, not, in a, not in a bad way. But it feels like a big, chunky film. It does feel yeah. like a... There's, there's a lot yeah. to cover. There, yeah. there is. a lot. It gets through a lot of terrain. Yeah. But uh, has anyone tweeted us on this at all? 
Yeah, I want to do this in a Craig T. Nelson voice, but I can't because <laughs> I'm not good at impressions. Uh, and also, this is a girl. Um, uh, Katie Smith underscore 98. Got a lot of underscores today. Yeah. Yeah, we've got one coming up as well. Says, yeah, so they still haven't caught the underminer. Three question marks. So, who cares? Who cares? It's just like, it's, it's your John Ratzenberger character. He'll probably come back later. Shut up. Number three. Running six. Do you know every time I hear that guitar if I just want to grab my Oakleys? Yeah. <laughs> I want to put my red... <laughs> Is it a New York Yankees hat? Is got... it? I don't remember what it's because he always worked backwards, didn't he? So he never saw what was on it. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a tiny picture of Fred Durst. It probably was. Wearing... Yeah. A little baseball hat, and, and then, then on that hat that, is yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, am I am I six? Are we calling this now? Uh, uh, cru- cruise run, cruise control. There we are. Yeah, uh, cruise control. Colon running. Exactly. I mean, I thought this is a great movie. I. It's very much this franchise. It's this franchise of Skyfall, really. I think. In, in terms oh, really? of in terms of the spectacle and the scope and how how it ratchets everything up and really tries to do something unique and with genuine mythology. I think it's this series, Skyfall. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that, because it's, it's really the first film that properly ties in some of the other films. It does. It's the yeah. first time this series it, has it, continuity. It, it, the first time this, uh, a sequel feels like a sequel for this franchise. It's <laughs> mad. I know, because we've had like nine of them. Yeah, and we and we get two big stunts. Yes, very, like, very big stunts. Like usually for these films, you get one big stunt, and then for this, we get two huge stunts, and they're both stunning. There is a point in this movie where you again get to the reach the conclusion of Tom Cruise just has a death wish at this point, right? That, that's <laughs> why he keeps making these sequels because it's no, he knows it's the only way he can get out of his contract with Xenu because those things last for ten thousand years. Yeah, so <laughs> so it's like if I just run into a building and die, then then I'm out, I'm off the hook. I owe Xenu nothing then. Um, the other thing is, after this movie, is there really any need for anyone to ever attempt a helicopter chase again? I think we've done that now. I, th- I think we've we've nailed we've nailed it. Yeah. The best one. I, he learned how to fly a helicopter for two years for this. And do you know what? That's it. We, we never need a helicopter chase ever again. This movie right. has it. Just going back to the Oscar thing. Go on. Right. If we're giving it to, like, instead of giving it to a film, this mm. whole popular... Because the, the full title of it is Outstanding Achievement in Popular Film. So it could be a sequence from a film. It could, yeah. Or it could be a person. Ooh. Give Tom Cruise an Oscar for learning to fly a frigging helicopter for two years. Yeah, but that rationale, even better, we could finally get Mike, Mickey Penns an Oscar for Ant-Man. We could absolutely do that, because that is an astounding achievement in a popular film. What, talking fast? <laughs> I said, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> So has anyone tweeted us up Mission Impossible? Uh, yes. At BDF331. Okay. Snappy name. Uh, it says, I went and saw... I went saw... to school with the BDF331. Did you? Yeah. Of the Cincinnati. Of the C- mm. uh, Cincinnati 3 d ones yeah. It's all nerds. says, I went and saw hashtag Mission Impossible colon Fallout for the fourth time. What a nerd. After the movie, an 80-year-old man presumably Tom Cruise okay. uh, high-fived me because he loved it so much that uh, never happens I, lo- I love that I love that idea it, it's a nice oh idea but it never happens he continues he exclaimed I hope I'm alive for the 7th mission wow I hope he is as well yeah I mean I hope this fictional person is alive for the 7th one as well mm-hmm. 
नंबर छ Mama Mia to here I go again. Um here we go again. Um did you know according to BuzzFeed and this quiz that you can see that I have actually done on my phone. Uh I'm 40% young donna. I've got a lot of young donna tendencies. Yeah. I'm a beautiful free spirit who can deaf rock a pair of overalls. Image courtesy of Universal Pictures. Um nice. I can imagine you with some dungarees. I I think I could pull that off. Yeah. Um I I don't sleep with quite as many male tourists as Lily James. But uh In the film, do you see her like, like hook up with the all three? Th- right, okay, yeah, all three. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, isn't it? To Godfather Part Two, it it is an interesting idea, and to be fair, I think it's a better movie than the first one is. Having said that, the first one feels very much polished and chiselled and refined, and this feels a lot more like they cooked it up, you know, on the fly kind yeah. of thing. Um, it doesn't really feel like Richard Curtis is involved, despite the fact that he's you know credited as as being on the script. Um, oh, is he? Yeah, Richard Curtis is credited as being on the script for this. I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know it's like discovering he did Paddington or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I had fun with it. Uh, I think the I think Hugh Skinner, who plays young Colin Firth, is just hysterically dorky, um, and I think Jeremy Irving does the world's greatest Pierce Brosnan voice. Um, had fun, sang along with some of the songs. There you go. Who's tweeted? Right at Andernam. Great, great name. I quite like this tweet. Go on. Not to be dramatic, but hashtag Mamma here we go again. Changed my life. Please don't talk to me for the whole week unless it's about Mamma Thank you very much and feel the beat of a tambourine. That person really liked Mamma Yeah. Number one. Antman plus Wasp. Antman. Like Pete Antman? Yeah. There's no... <laughs> Pete Antman, Leslie Wasp? Yeah. There's no gold man. <laughs> Goldman is a surname. I just <laughs> Right, I uh, love the hell out of Antman and the Wasp. I believe uh, you did so as well. Fun. Yeah, I've seen it two times. You've seen it two times? I also saw it two times. Yeah. Um... <laughs> It just sounds like a really bad backing lyric, doesn't it? Two times. You sound like Wyclef Jean. Yes, that's exactly Two what times. I was saying. Uh, but yes, I'm on the Wasp. Had a great time with. Uh, so much fun. A lot of great energy in there. Family friendly in a way that I didn't think Marvel movies had been at this point, actually. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a 90s action family yeah, film. Very on board with that. Very honey eyed with the kids yeah. at times. Which, which makes sense. Fun. And yeah, just a great fun Marvel movie. I mean, it has a downbeat post-credits thing going for it. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is... The best part is, considering The uh, the Incredibles 2 opens with... Is it Bao? The uh, short about the dumpling? Right. Yeah. That, that'll mess you up. Oh, my God. I'm, that'll mess that you up before The Incredibles. And then yeah. you can see the next Disney movie get messed up after the credits. After the credits. So, yeah, make of that what you will. Uh, go and see it, though. It is a hell of a time. And there's just some great fun to be had. Um, has anyone tweeted us? And presumably they've had fun, too. Uh, it seems like it. Um, at KTMO underscore Twitch says... This is crazy handles today. Crazy. Says my spoiler free review of hashtag at man of wasp wasp emoji. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, what? Yes, yes. Dot dot dot. Hell no. With the latest film news and reviews, I have this is off screen. <laughs> the on screen radio show. 
Yeah. And we're back for a pair of very quick reviews then, Mr. Allen. So, um, should we talk first about Under the Tree? Yes. Okay, I briefly described this to you before the show, I believe. So, uh, and now I get to uh, go into slightly more detail. So, um, this is an Icelandic dramedy. They are a thing. Oh, I, they happen. They, they happen, yes. Icelandic dramedy. It has. It starts off with something of the feel of a man called Ove about it, if you remember that one. Mm. But, uh, I mean, by the way, the original title of this is Under Trinu. Ooh, I like that. It's good, isn't it? I, like, I feel like Icelandic is a language I can totally get on if under the tree is under trinu. Under trinu. So, yeah. Um, so two and a half minutes into this, this what looks like a domestic family drama, you get um, a husband who is basically caught by his wife with evidence that he has committed adultery with someone that she knows. He is thrown out of his family home and uh, effectively moves into a tent in the garden of his elderly parents' house. His parents like retirement age. Um, his parents, meanwhile, have their own things to deal with. They have something of a turf war going on with their next-door neighbours. So they've got okay. this tree in the garden that's casting a shadow over the neighbour's sun porch. Uh, the neighbours are complaining about that. Uh, this dude's parents, in turn, are complaining about the neighbour's dog pooping on their lawn. And, you know, standard neighbours from hell stuff, really. Mm. Only this goes to, like, John Waters' levels of extreme. Genuinely. And uh, we don't have a clip, obviously, because it's all in its native tongue. Um, I will say, I mean, it's just superbly put together. I mean, this is written, written, co-written and directed by Hastin Gunnar Sigmarsson. You, you love that pr- name. You've practiced that. No, actually, I just did that completely off the cuff. Thank you. Um, it is written with this this brilliant set of characters. They are all jaded and cynical and petty, flat out nasty. I loved every one of them. I thought they were great fun to sit <laughs> with. Absolute scumbags. Absolute, just the nastiest pieces of work. <laughs> By the end of this movie, even the nicest one amongst them is a complete scumbag. <laughs> it just escalates. It goes from. I mean, there's language in my notes that I can't read aloud um, but it just jumps from whimsical to filled with like this Edgar Allan Poe-like dread of this tree hovering over them all. Um, then it can be disarmingly jaunty and then it can be like satirically creepy then it's just out and out psychotic and then it just blows your mind um, the cast are great, I have such fun such fun with these characters and uh, the ending is a little bit obvious but it's brilliant it's a brilliant ending and it's the only way you could have ended this film and it's like the it's like the comedic answer to the mist <laughs> I mean, it's not obviously not the same thing happens you don't have a mist for one thing but uh just just that kind of level of oh my god really <laughs> so yeah under the tree absolutely see that it is so worth catching uh you've got a screen link uh check it out mm, i i shall indeed you, you really should um now let's talk about a movie with a stupid uk title which is? Well, it's that movie Beirut, but for some reason in the UK it's called The Negotiator, which itself is the title of a 1998 actioner starring Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson that starring I really love. Starring Bleep Bleep and Samuel starring Jackson. Starring Christopher Plummer and Samuel L. Jackson. There you that's, go. that's exactly what I said. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. So John Hamm's a former diplomat who's worked in uh, in, in Beirut. He's worked in Lebanon, uh, basically at the point that the troubles, that the civil war starts to begin. And uh, his, uh, his wife, his... Uh, Lo- local wife his wife is is a local she uh, she's killed in 
in an attack that mm. sees him basically give up life and return to the US and go into uh, union dispute contract law or something. He is then uh, summoned back into the fold years later into what is now a very different political landscape when his former partner, his, his former uh, colleague as a CIA operative played by, who is it, Mark Pellegrino plays uh, Lucifer in Supernatural? Another uh, dude? Oh, that dude. Yeah, he was yeah, in yeah. Dexter. He's uh, Julie Benz's ex in Dexter, I think, yes. as well. Um, when he is kidnapped um, by malicious forces, he steps into the fold to try and negotiate uh, the, the, the the ransom and the release, only to then discover that the actual ringleader of this abduction operation is it is his former sort of ward, a young boy from the local area whom he'd sort of taken under his wing when he'd lived there with his wife years later. Here is the two meeting as adults. I need to see Cal. Impossible. I need to see Cal and I need to speak to him. Find that outfit. That comfort. If I had your brother, I would let you talk to him. It's impossible. It's only impossible if he's dead. What, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to trust you now? You're the whole reason I'm here. I gave my life up to protect you. I want you to listen to me very closely if you ever want to see your brother again. I don't make a move until I talk to Cal. That dude really wants to talk to Cal. Like, he's, he's really hell-bent on it. Yeah. Okay, better so this is... <laughs> you better, better just text the dude, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. It's like 1982, I think it was a movie. Um, so, I mean, it wants some of that Argo money. Clearly, it ain't getting it. This is a nuts and bolts period thriller. Really nothing more. I mean, that's 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 the theory. It's a, it's a thriller. In actuality, it's less thrilling than you'd like. Mm. It's reminiscent of... Do you remember The Two Faces of January? The Viggo Mortensen, Kirsten Dunst, Oscar oh, Isaac. I saw that, yeah. Do you remember that? It was all right. It, it was all right, yeah. but that... But the thing is, although it was an old school thriller, it was a properly old school thriller where yeah. they used to rely very heavily on drama rather than, you know, theatrics. Mm. Um, this is very much like that in that it leans far too heavily on its drama. Uh, John Hamm is pretty generic as a pretty generic character. I mean, he literally sports the my wife is dead stubble. Yeah. You know that stubble that you only I, get I, in... I can't shave, for I am mourning. <laughs> I, I can't shave, for I am grieving my loss. However, <laughs> I can trim. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I run my that. black band on my face. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. My black band runs around my chin. Yeah. <laughs> Very much one of those. Dead wife stubble, that's exactly what he's got. Yeah. Um, there's <laughs> next to nothing for Rosamund Pike to do in this. She shows up as a sort of uh, antagonistic uh, sort of partner that he has, who's, mm. who's more embedded in the government than he is. Um, it never really wears in or bothers to fully flesh out its world. I mean, we are constantly told time and time again the, the Lebanon he's returned to is a very different world than the one he left. Mm. But we're not really shown how. We're kind of just told all the time. We're kind of told what this environment is without really ever being shown. A lot of it is in darkened rooms. Um, you can see the ending coming a mile off because this thing really thinks it's setting up its own period set Jack Ryan series. Um, it's far too long at 109 minutes and to be honest with you I would best describe the whole thing as serviceable it's kind of it, it's too drawn out to be a thriller it plays more like a drama with the occasional chase sequence mm. so yeah not for everyone just, just go watch Mission Impossible Fallout do that or even Two Faces of January mm. with the latest film news and reviews this is Off Screen the On Screen Radio Show and we're back Mr. Allen for one last ride and what a ride 
On a big shark. On a big shark. Um, there's so much I want to say about the Meg that I can't for spoiler reasons. Spoiler reasons. It's, it's one of the, I can't wait for you to see it because we're going to be talking about so many great moments in it. And it is a film of, of great moments. So it's, it's, a, it's great then. It, it, it's great fun. I'm, I'm just, it's great fun. I'm not going to bury the lead. It, it is great fun. So, general gist of this was, this is directed by Don, John Turtletown, who of course brought us the, the National, National Treasure series, yeah. yes. And The Source was Apprentice. Let us never forget that. The franchise that wasn't. The franchise that wasn't. That, yeah. that so clearly deserved to be, and infinitely more than the uh, Pirate series. Um, so John Turtletown is back. This time, Jason Statham versus a giant shark, which I maintain I mean, should have been the title for this movie. The tagline for this movie. Yeah. Statham them v shark should have been the tagline i mean um, the, the, the taglines that they have had have been great doesn't it chomp on this chomp on this yeah. or uh, biting down and things like yeah. that um so this t- this this follows jason statham as undersea deep sea rescue a- a- operative jonas taylor <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, Jonas, right? Jonah and the whale? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they, they keep making, they keep making sort of offhand reference that, by the way, there's so many fish movie jokes in this. Like, obviously, yeah, you knew course, there was going yeah. to be so many fish jokes. There is even at one point a musical fish movie joke that will just have you howling. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Go, go, rattle your brain, but uh, you, when when you uh, encounter it, you will you'll decide to split. Is. Okay, so Jonas Taylor is rescuing some people on a submarine, only for that submarine to be attacked by an unseen creature that's crushing the submarine from the outside. Some people die, and nine people survive. He rescues nine people, but nobody believes him about what he saw. So, being Jason Statham, he buggers off to Thailand, does some drinking for five years on a beach in a straw hat. Because that's what you do. That's what you do. And literally, at the point where this happens, I'm starting to think to myself, please be five years later, please be five years later, yeah. please. And then, yay, five years later. So, five years later, it turns out, some uh, Chinese, uh, Chinese-run Chinese marine biology scientific centre has set itself up on what looks like an oil rig in the middle of the ocean, paid for by Rain Wilson, who's a sort of arrogant billionaire. I know, imagine him playing against yeah. time. Um, <laughs> and it turns out that underneath this oil rig is basically, the aqua science lab thing from Jaws 3D right and they're launching a mission to go and explore the Mariana Trench because they don't think the bottom is actually the bottom right right there's there's more bottom right one of their subs gets stuck okay there's monsters down there they need someone who knows what they're doing and how to do who could we get who could they possibly find so so they go and they get Jonas Taylor you know from his Thai beach with his beer because literally, this is a thing. He keeps mentioning how much he loves beer. He keeps talking about how much he <laughs> loves beer. Every time you see him and he's holding a beer, he will tell you how much he, he loves, loves this beer. beer. He is the world's most fun drunk. However, when he signs up to this rescue mission, he seems to completely overcome this alcoholism in a, about the duration of an international flight. Okay. Okay. And then he's just Jason Statham. Far away. So basically, the plot is cliffhanger with a shark. Okay, then it becomes a different movie, then it becomes a different movie. But I'm not going to tell you what those movies are. They're great, you love them, but that's what it becomes. Here's a clip. She's coming. Oh, boy. It was the largest shark that ever existed. Thought to have been extinct for two million years. There are things out there. We need to find it and kill it. Why don't you just put a tracker on it? Did you guys ever watch Shark Week? 
It's Megalodon. <laughs> right. There's a great moment. It's my favourite moment in this whole movie. Is there is a point about a third of the way through when they've just when they've you know encountered this Megalodon when everyone finally believes it's Megalodon, and uh, Jason Statham just offhandedly with no setup whatsoever just starts calling this thing the Meg, and everyone just, just accepts it. Everyone yeah. just accepts it. Right? Like, that's a normal thing. Like, when you're down the pub with your mates and you're just casually talking about a megalodon. Just, yeah. you know, as you do. Yeah. We've got to go see the Meg. We've got to go catch the Meg. <laughs> We've got to go catch the Meg. Oh, the Meg's coming for us. Things like that. He keeps calling it the Meg. There's no decision made. There's well, no naming well, moment. It's, it's just, it's a bit long-winded, isn't it? It just keeps saying, look, it's the Megalodon. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's brilliant that he just casually adopts the Meg as yeah. a name. And nobody acknowledges this. And they all just start using it. Love it. Okay. So, <laughs> on that note, the writing then, he absolutely gets that balance between straight-faced Hollywood creature feature and, yeah, comedy yeah and statham brings a lot of that sort of natural charming charisma with him he's on fine quippy one-liner form he's right. vintage statham here <laughs> and classic state he is he looks a bit more gaunt than usual but uh not, yeah. not quite as buff strange i mean he's got the, the muscle of him but he seems a little deflated leaned like this leaned is down. clearly between fast and furious movies kind of thing yeah like obviously he's back in training for, for Hobbs and Shaw you'd imagine so the script does a pretty good job of handling some absolutely bonkers exposition because you can even like Jurassic <laughs> yeah. Park level exposition you know Dino DNA you know really convoluted exposition it pulls it off uh let's see um for, I, I got great amusement out of the fact that the only person objectified in this movie is Jason Statham and he does it very <laughs> cheerfully <laughs> he's very very happy about being objectified <laughs> but to say he's on fine form rain wilson's absolutely playing to type ruby rose playing to type as well which does beg the question about whether or not sexy hacker has become the new replacement for manic yeah. pixie dream girl you know, like hurricane heist and movies like that they all have to have a sexy female hacker now and that's, that's ruby just, rose here that's what have. there's a great moment actually in the script in which uh jason statham more or less turns to camera and tells the audience Pay attention to Ruby Rose. Take her seriously. She's going to be a star. And he's like, oh, wow, okay, we're doing that. Brilliant. I'm in. Um, <laughs> there's, there's Winston Chow in there, who's a kind of Chinese billionaire type, who just takes this brilliant crack at doing that Ken Watanabe philosophizing into the middle distance thing. Yeah. You know that thing that... Uh, Let, Let them, them fight. <laughs> <laughs> We've been together too long, guys. <laughs> it's the best thing about that whole film. It really is. Let them fight. It's like the, the moment in the uh, Godzilla 2 trailer which Charles Dance is like, all hail, hail the, the king. king. Yeah, that's, that's the new one. <laughs> it is. Uh, so say, requisite fish movie gags, naturally. Um, sadly, this movie came out too late to include uh, Shape of Water. You can imagine they have fun with that. Mm. I mean, everyone in eats a stock character, but they're fun stock characters. They're likeable stock characters. Um, it's paced with a decent sense of urgency until sort of the end of the second act, beginning of the third act, when it does kind of dip a bit. It takes a bit of a lull for five minutes, so... Yeah. Um, having said that, the second act draws to a close with the greatest middle finger anyone's ever put up to Jaws. And I mean a really on-the-nose middle finger. He's like, we're not even attempting to hide this, huh? Yeah. It's like in Deep Blue Sea when they kept killing the sharks in the exact way yeah. that... It's not exactly like that, but, you know. Um, let's see. Um, it plays itself mostly straight, but literally everybody involved is aware of just how daft this is. They have fun with it. Kind of like that Piranha 3 D. 
yeah. kind of kind of standard of let's just go with it. Let's just have a good time. Yes, it's a serious film with some comedy in it, and we all know it's goofy and a bit silly. Um, let's let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it, yeah. and that comes across. You will have fun with it if you can see it in IMAX. Do there's some great spectacle in there. Um, <laughs> there's one or two ropey CG shots. I mean, you'll know them when I you feel see like them. That's going to add to it, though. Really? Yeah, you, you, it, yeah, that's the thing. Though, is when you see those uh, those shots, though, you do kind of think, "I wish the whole movie was a little bit naffer with the CGI." So mm. this would really feel a lot more like a more sci-fi kind of channel movie, B movie. Yeah. yeah, and it does feel like a sort of hundred and fifty million dollar sci-fi channel movie, um, and I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine, but I kind of wanted that going in. This has, in terms of its concept, this has the same sort of weight put on it that something like Snakes on a Plane has. Mm. You know, in terms of you've got such an internet-friendly concept. I mean, yeah. Nicolas Cage is going to have to deal with this it's in a pretty, few months. So Pretty meme-worthy. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, we, we, we've gone from Snakes on a Plane to Statham v. Shark to... Statham on a Plane. St- to, well, to, next we're going to have Nicolas Cage fights a Jaguar on a boat. So, oh, yeah, that, that happens. You know, we've got, we've got to wait for that one next. That's going to be great. What, what is that one called again? Primal. I need to watch the trailer for that. There's no trailer yet. Really? No! I've not even seen a photo from that movie. No. Anyway, um, that, that'll be part of our box set with West Next Offline and this. Um, I say, I, I just had a great time with it. I had so much fun with it. Um, it kind of, I suppose it leaves itself a bit open-ended in terms of, there is, there's a lot of mechanisms in place that you can potentially actually make this a series. And I don't mean it's like a cliffhanger or anything stupid like that. There's, there's not a Piranha 3D ending or anything like that. There's it, a, a cliff. Cliff Collins, isn't there? There is Cliff, uh, Cliff Curtis. Cliff Curtis. I Cliff just, Curtis. Yeah, I Cliff Curtis, who shows up to play Cliff Curtis. He's right, playing that Cliff Curtis yeah. character. And you're like, I'm fine with this. I like Cliff <laughs> Curtis. He's always good in this part. That's the film, though. That's The film is that to a T. Oh, Lee Bingbing's turn up. She's playing Lee Bingbing. Mm. And, you know, it, it's that. It's a stock movie in, in nearly every sense. You can't quite figure out why John Turtletab, of all people, is doing this. It was going to be Eli Roth, wasn't it? But it almost yeah. makes sense if it's Eli Roth, because the film does feel strangely bloodless, actually. It's a 12A. Yeah. There's obviously there's a lot of blood and gore because of like chumming the water, so to speak. But there's no actual like, human you know, gore, really. You, you, you don't see, like, a leg just flowing off. You do occasionally see, like, a severed hand or something yeah, like that, but yeah. relatively bloodless. Yeah. That's that's kind of the whole thing about it. There's a frankly beautiful shot, by the way, of a scientist in a shark tank. You know, the shark cage, sorry, yeah. in a shark cage. Which, by the way, modern shark cages are awesome. Oh, yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. They look like Loki's prison cell from Avengers. Yeah. Like big glass circle. Mm. There's a great shot of a scientist. Not just like, like a metal cage anymore. Not, oh, no, no, no. Far, far from 47 meters deep or 47 meters down <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was called. Um, but yeah, there's a great shot of a scientist in this glass circular shark cage with uh, the chum just raining down around around it to, uh, cool. to attract the shark. And it's just this gorgeous shot. And there's a lot of really well-staged sequences like that. It does bring the tension. There are some jump scares. There are just a buttload of laughs. And uh, some great Stath one-liners. What more do you need? I, I can't wait. You, you're going to love excited. it. You're absolutely going to love it. Um, I, I can't remember how much, how long this tied in at on the runtime. Actually, is it about two hours? I don't think it's two. Hours. It feels like a hundred, hundred and five minutes kind of a deal. It feels like an hour forty-five thereabout. It's around the right length. I'd say there is a dip for five minutes, end of the second, up beginning of the third when they kind of have to launch it back into that that great big action sequence that needs to close it, kind of yeah. a thing. Um, in terms of if you if you're going into this looking for uh, the grey or the promised version of the grey where Liam Neeson actually fought wolves, um, yeah, you're gonna get it. Yeah, I'm just that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, you're gonna get it. 
Not those people who went and saw the great Sealy News for Fight Wars and then got okay. a character drama instead. Ends. Yeah. Great yeah. film. Great movie. Great movie, but not yeah. the bad. It's a badass character drama. We were promised a badass action movie, which Liam Neeson fought Four wolves. wolves. Right. So the Meg does the same thing, but then delivers. Yeah. So literally, Steve V. Shark. Okay. You're actually going to get it. I'm no. Steve V. Wolves. He's not going to be philosophizing into the Middle Distance. He's. Yeah. I, I will watch Steve V. Wolves. I, 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 yeah, but I would watch Steve <laughs> philosophizing into the Middle Distance. I would watch that. <laughs> Uh, I would watch Nathan philosophizing the realist. Why am I getting this wolf? <laughs> Does this wolf's soul in any way impact my own sense of internal karma? Yeah. Did this wolf interfere with me? <laughs> oh, if you've never seen Blitz, absolutely see Blitz. Um, so, yeah, um, I think, to be honest with you, I'm definitely going to give it film of the week. Yay. The Meg is absolutely film. It delivered. It absolutely delivered to me. Uh, so check that out the Meg in cinemas from Friday just absolutely worth the, the money uh, if you can't see it in IMAX do if you can see it in 40X this would be a hell of a ride like I want to <laughs> yes. I want to go and see this in 40X uh, next one well, we're off next week I forgot we're actually we are we are we're off next yeah. week we are going to we are going to return the week after though and I do know what's out that week if you're interested and what is out that week we have the documentary The King we have the Emma Thompson drama The Children Act Ooh. we have the Slender Man movie Slenderman. The Slenderman. That <laughs> <laughs> film, The Creeping Kid. <laughs> just going to go there. Uh, we have that movie about Luis and the Aliens. It's called Luis and the Aliens. Aliens. Uh, we have Black Klansman, the new Spike Lee joint. Oh, I can't know. wait for that. We have not a good Samaritan, but a bad Samaritan. Right. We have Alpha, Sony's Cody Smith McPhee led movie about a boy and his wolf. Okay. Yeah, that prehistoric thing looks like yeah. 10,000 BC. And last but certainly by no means least, we have, least, least, uh, we have Mila Kunis. We have Kate McKinnon. We have The Spy Who Dumped Me. That is out. And that's getting like a midweek release as well. So is it? I think it's like a Wednesday. Mm. So Strange. Yeah. Okay. So is it Wednesday or Monday? Oh, no. Happy Time Murders is out on a Monday, the week after. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, out on a Monday. Who knew? But uh, looking forward to that. In the meanwhile, this has been a canny store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I have been Case Allen. And we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras, Mr. Allen. So, uh, we were talking about Patrick Stewart news, weren't we? Yeah, he is still bald. (laughs) He's still bald. Uh, He's going to be Captain Picard again, isn't he, for CBS All Access? Yeah, he is. So that's That's amazing. uh, That's great. I mean, I love the idea that we're actually going to see future Star Trek again. Mm. Like, because... I, I miss seeing the you know the the end of the calendar for Star Trek, like mm. actually going forward into you know new territory. I miss that, and I really have enjoyed Star Trek Discovery. I, I thought that was I, really I need great. to get back into it and finish it. I only watched oh. the first two episodes, which by all accounts, what I've heard from people, they're like, like prequel, a, the yeah, setup. They're, they're like the setup. They're like a self-contained. Little yeah, I always film. hated it because I would have just chopped that into flashbacks and spurred it throughout the series. Yeah, but so uh, I got I got to get past that, and then then we shall see. Mm. Yeah, but I, I hear good things. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Check it. it has, uh, I think, because it's two blocks. 
the, the Star Trek Discovery, the one yes. when it was on Netflix, yeah. it was released as two blocks. The second is infinitely better than the first. All right. But... So um, get through that. Great performances uh, in it, and I love Jason Isaacs as uh, Captain Lorca, as Gabriel Lorca. I think he's absolutely terrific. Mm. And uh, Michelle Yeoh, I mean, I became a fan of Michelle Yeoh on the back of that series in a way that I never expected. So definitely check that out. But uh, yeah, so uh, Captain Picard's back. Amazing. And you say like you say he's ageless, isn't he? You know? <laughs> yeah, he, he looks the same. How old is he now? Let's find out. Is he, I don't know, he's got to be in his 70s, sure. Yeah, I was going to say mid to late 70s, um, Sir Pat Stu. Sir Pat Stu. I know in, uh, in in Logan, he's meant to be 90, isn't he? Yeah, they obviously age. Yeah, they, they age. So I'm thinking that must be only be about 10 years. There's no way he's going to look that old when he actually is 90, though. He is uh, 78, so yeah, kind of what we wow. kind of what we figured. Um, yeah. This is what I'm saying to you. Do, you. do you ever go back and watch the old, like, first season Next Generations? Yeah. And he looks the same. He looks the same. Wait, it's amazing. He looked like that in his early 40s. You know what's great? His son looks like him. Like, because his son is bald and has his face. Really? Him. Yeah. I hope his son just looks like Tom Hardy in Star Trek Nemesis. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember hearing a, a sort of rumour at one point they wanted Jason Isaacs to be young, uh, young Picard. But well, make, I could see that. You could see it, but it's yeah. like, surely they're only about a decade apart, those two. Yeah. But, uh, but obviously, down. we now know they are not. So they're, they're clearly about three decades apart. Yeah. Hang on, if he's... Isaacs went to school with Kermode, who was born in 63. Three, which would make Jason Isaacs what fifty five? Uh, that's fast maths. Well done. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There we go. And uh, Sir Patrick was born in nineteen forty in Yorkshire, as we all know. In Yorkshire, as we do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Huddersfield celebrates this fact every single day. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> So, uh, in the extras this week, uh, okay, let's do the first review for the extras. Three reviews we're going to get through in the extras. Ugh, and actually, and do you know what? I've not just like stuff stuff the chaff into the uh, into the extras or anything. Like some of these are pretty good. No, that's, that's encouraging. That, that is encouraging. So, I'm going to start you with our second dog movie of the week. Okay, but again, oh. this one this one is better than the first one. I'll give well, that's you that. Good. We had to review the other one in the radio edit because that's the sort of, you know, that's the big budget one, isn't it? So you kind of got to do that. Sergeant Stubby is our, is our new one, which sounds what? like a Sergeant Stubby, an American hero. That's actually the title. Okay, so it's called Sergeant Stubby, an American hero. Then you start watching the film and it's actually Sergeant Stubby, an unlikely hero. So they're already undecided going mm. in. This is an animated film, a computer animated film based on a true story. It is the true story of a dog named Stubby who was taken in by a young, uh, a, a young called Doughboy, you know, army infantryman, um, in, just before being deployed to World War One. He gets taken in by this army platoon. This, he looks like, he's animated to look like a staffy. I think in reality there was some dispute over, over what he actually was. Um, he's taken in and he just turns out to be insanely easy to train. So he winds up learning how to basically position, salute and behave like an army man. The platoon takes such a liking to him that they adopt him as their official mascot. And when they get shipped out to France to actually fight in the war, Stubby in this version, this didn't actually happen in reality. He was snuck over in reality. In the movie, he basically runs, jumps on the train, sneaks on the boat, and goes along for the ride as well. He actually fights in World War One. That actually happened, by the way. This dog fought in World War One. Here's oh, a yes, Stubby. Yeah. Why, why is this dog not president? I don't know. Here's a clip. What? How's did this dog get in here? Get out! Get out of here! We have four weeks to turn you into soldiers. 
At least he's ready. Oh, find a new buddy, Conroy? The sergeant wanted a mascot. Give the unit a different look. A different smell, too. Hey, no! Guess it's better to have every man and every dog we can get in this fight. Well done, soldier. Thank you, sergeant. I was talking to the dog. So you see, there is a charm to it already. You, you, you're in on that charm I mean, already. Yeah. There is a sort of a sort of naff charm to it. It is incredibly cheesy. It really is. It's very cheesy. But it's very likeable. Um, you know, it's got a cute animated dog as its centre. Um, it's got that sort of uh, low-budget French animation... Mid-budget, sorry, French animation house kind of a, a feel to it. It looks like something like... It's not going to look like Sammy's Great Adventure, the turtle movie or anything like that, but this is very much more Fly Me to the Moon... Uh, not Fly Me to the Moon... Uh, uh, capture the flag, mm. that kind of level. I actually did enjoy this, and of course, you know, it, it, there's it transitions from the US to Europe to different places within Europe. It uses really cool. Uh, what do they call it? I actually had the star written down. Oh, Art Deco cell animation uh, between scenes, mm. and it has this sort of Fritz Lang kind of look to it. <laughs> and you think, okay, that's that's actually really an impressive inclusion for something of this yeah. caliber. I wouldn't have expected that. Um, then they get to France. Okay, for the war, and the movie becomes very French. I, I want to point out this is made by a company in, in Georgia. Uh, the movie becomes very French. I mean, of course it is. It's yeah. a film, so. but it's animated by a French company. Right, right. So very French, and as we all know, a movie can only be so French before Gerard Depardieu has there to turn up. There yes. you go. Right. I was like, it's either Depardieu or it's John Minow. Yeah, yeah, it's clearly going to be, yeah. Right. Not only does Gerard Depardieu appear in this movie, not only does he get the great Checky Cayo from the Patriot role in this movie, and also, whatever happened to Checky Cayo, by the way, I miss Checky mm-hmm. Cayo. Uh, not only does Gerard, Gerard Depardieu, I keep saying Gerard Butler, Gerard Depardieu appear in this movie and get the Checky Cayo role, he literally gets introduced and then immediately starts chugging wine and completely complaining about the food. That is the... That's Gerard Depardieu. It is, isn't it? Right, that is... In Man in the Iron Mask. Well, is... that, it is. That, that's just Gerard Depardieu, isn't it? Yeah. That is the most Depardieu thing anyone has ever put on the cinema screen. <laughs> so, you know, you get an extra star just for that one. Um, I say, the owner dog stuff, the owner and the dog, stuff like that, he's kind of cute. Uh, it's, it's cute enough to sort of, like, warm to it. You'd be surprised, actually, I think this might be the wartime element and, like, going over the top and the trenches, stuff like that. The Blackadder effect, as you call mm. it. There is this, uh, the wartime element does seem to actually give you an extra level of investment in what are otherwise, otherwise fairly thinly drawn human characters. And by the end of it, I was surprised how much I actually cared. I thought, oh, wow, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, the lead character in this, by the way, who's voiced by Logan Lerman. Oh, the film, by the way, is narrated by Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, no way. Yes, as his sister years later. Am I allowed to look at the castle? Yes, you can now. I just didn't want to spoil Gerard Depardieu for you. Well, why, why would you? Well, those are basically the only three stars in this movie. <laughs> um, but Logan Lerman's human lead looks strangely like Neil Patrick Harris around the time of Starship Troopers. Just putting that out there, it just, just struck me as odd. Yeah, this is a weird resemblance. <laughs> there is, isn't it? Also, I just want to ask, what kind of soulless monster, okay, during wartime, peacetime, whatever, what kind of soulless monster would shoot, what is, shoot at what is clearly a lone dog? Does that happen? I don't want to watch this film. Well, this dog goes into no man's land at one point. And they just just start shooting him. You're like, okay. I mean, first of all, I'm just going to just spoil uh, spoil one thing for you. Stubby did survive the war. 
That's okay, good. so we survived the war, so don't be thinking like the Germans <laughs> capped him in the face or anything. That did not happen. Okay, so there's no need to go on, what is it, doesthedogdie.com? Is yeah. that it? Yeah. Yeah, big, popular website in my house, doesthedogdie.com. Uh, by the way, don't type the Meg into that. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> that's one reason it's not getting watched in my house, apparently. Um, but yeah, it ends with that sort of requisite acknowledgement of the real Sergeant Stubby. You know, it uh, brings up the real picture. And I'll be really honest, I got a bit misty-eyed when it did. Because it, it is a very sweet movie. It's very cute. Yeah. And I think if I had if I had a young child in my house, I, I you know, other than the one I keep in the cage under the stairs, I uh, I would totally have this on. Uh, when your child is born, I will happily watch this with your child. And I'm never leaving you alone with my child. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, why not? I've already got the cage under the stairs. I'm prepared, man. <laughs> have his own cage, thank you very much. Have his own travel cage. A travel cage. <laughs> for the offspring who has everything. <laughs> except freedom. <laughs> yeah, except freedom, obviously. Yeah. Oh, that was the other thing, by the way. When I was reviewing uh, The Darkest Minds, there's a bit when they start putting all the kids, the mutant kids, into concentration camps and cages, and you start thinking, this was probably so much more of a shocking idea a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, like now... Just before it just happened. Yeah. Cages, kids, now, maybe not quite so, you know, out the out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's have a look. Uh, apparently Terry Crews wants to come back for another Deadpool movie. Do it. Do it. I don't care how they do it. Just do it. Make it happen. <laughs> I'm just happy for you know Terry Crews to do anything. Also, I think after the last year, he's kind of earned it. Mm. You know, after uh, after having had his show cancelled and all of his uh, let's just say public inquiries, I think he's earned it at this point. Yeah. But uh, oh, the trailer's out by the way. For have you seen this for uh, the Nutcracker? Oh, uh, the Four Realms. I saw the trailer. Had been released. I've not watched it yet. No, they, they, they kind of had to retool it and push it back, didn't they? Because the director was it Lassie. Lassie Holstrom, wasn't it? Come home. <laughs> <laughs> He's too busy making a dog's repurpose. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> You're just imagining that movie now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it is very funny, isn't it? But Steve yeah. Buscemi and Chris Cooper in A Dog's Repurpose. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, he got... Um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't necessarily get replaced. No, did he just leave? I'm not sure what the story was. He said it was some kind of scheduling uh, thing that he couldn't do reshoots, so Joe Johnson came in. Oh, right. Okay. But Joe Johnson was, like, retired. Oh, yeah, this was the thing. That was, that was his last thing, wasn't it? He said, okay, I'll come in and reshoot that for you, but that's it. Uh, final, not final, but another review. Should we do another review? Yeah, why not? Nice, quick and breezy one for you. Uh, well, because there's not an awful lot to say about it because it's an art documentary. A documentary about the artistic process. Right, so it's, do, do it in like 70 words or less. 70 words or less. I don't think I can. Uh, Leaning into the wind, colon, Andy Goldsworthy. Uh, so this follows the artist, Andy Goldsworthy, uh, through his creative process. This is directed by the brilliantly named Thomas Reidelschleimer. Reidelschleimer. Great name. I know, it's great, isn't it? That is raw Uthorg level, right there. (laughs) Raw Uthorg. So I started watching this, and I was was confused as to what the concept of the documentary was. At first, I just thought it was about a guy who just hangs out with loggers. Mm. Turns out, no, it's not. He's an artist. Um, I was was watching this on screen, so I was kind of killing killing a lot of time with it, because there is a lot of empty space in which, you know, you've taken in the image, but then it just meanders for a while, as these documentaries kind of do. So I kind of got to find out that this has a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes. 
Wow. To put that in context for you, Apocalypse Now has a 96% score <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. So I think we can safely say that the tomato meter might be somewhat flawed. This is one of the best ones of all time. <laughs> Actually, funnily enough, this is literally the best profile piece I have ever watched about an artist and them explaining their uh, their own process. Hands down. I'm not even kidding. It's a three-star movie. How, how many have you seen? Admittedly, very few. <laughs> I've, I mean, obviously, in the course of reviewing them, I've seen I've seen a few over the years. Like, and I haven't I haven't seen the Meg yet, but I can tell you, like, hundred percent certainty, that will be the best Jason Statham versus a giant prehistoric shark <laughs> film I've ever seen. True, very true, very true. Um, I say there is, uh, you know, there's some appropriately striking images in there. I mean, it's an mm. art documentary. Go figure. Um, I, I, I was pretty interested, despite the fact that in reality, as you well know, I have less than no interest in the art world. But um, as an insight into, you know, this guy's artistic inspiration, yeah. you know, how, how he approaches things, how he sees the world, how he interacts with it, I thought this worked a treat. This really did the job. I, I came away from it thinking, okay, yes, that has worked for me. An art documentary has genuinely worked for me. Yeah. So, win for me. Done. Good work, Thomas Reidelsheimer. You so, just want to say his I name. I just want to say his name again. <laughs> By the way, here's a question for you. Uh, John Nottingham and I were having conversations. We were going in to see the Meg last night. Okay. Um, when, what was the last mainstream shark movie? The last one? Yeah, because I, I went with The Shallows as the last one. And before that's that... What I, that's what I was going to say. So before that, Shark Night, which was, I think, 2011. Oh, God, I forgot all about Shark Night. That's the one with the... That was in Freed as well, wasn't it? Was it that was in Freed, yes. Yeah. Oh, man, I really loved Shark Night. Yeah. Um... I mean, it was crap, but it was fun. It's, it's, it's worth <laughs> it's worth re-watching, isn't it? Uh, no, I re-watch it in my house far too often. It just gets put on <laughs> a lot. And, uh, and also, then I get told off, because apparently it's inappropriate to leer over Catherine McPhee for the entire thing, but... You know, definitely. Blake Lively in the shallow is completely fine. Oh yeah, he's, he's much more socially acceptable to pull over uh, Blake Lively. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, um, I I rewatched the shallows recently. I yeah. like the shallows. I like the shallows. It was good. I went to a really cool beach party put on by Sony for that. Yeah, maybe Sony. Uh, I, 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 the most insane. <laughs> it was great. Loads of pizza. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah. So, uh, what else is in the film news for us this well, I, week? I was going to say, shall we um, talk about the rest of the Oscars news? Oh yes, please. Yes. Yeah. So, um, in addition to uh, the popular film category that we're now going to be adding, mm-hmm. um, I think we can still discuss that a little bit more. Um, they're also shortening the telecast, so the telecast is only going to be three hours long as opposed to two days. Oh. Which is what it currently is. Yeah, I mean, currently it's it's about six weeks change, isn't it? Roughly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, you can grow a a full substantial beard. In, <laughs> you can go from clean shaven <laughs> to one of the members of ZZ Top. Um, one, one of the two bearded members of ZZ Top. I worked the Oscars this year. It's my first year actually yeah. properly working the Oscars, uh, which is why I was I was amused to find out that the exact, nearly the exact running time of the Oscar ceremony happened to be the exact running time of Paul Ross's uh, talk radio show. Oh, so yeah, that was not weirdly lined up. Us. Yeah, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be three hours, so we're not going to be showing. Yeah, we're going to do what um, uh, the Tonys and some of the other award ceremonies uh, do, where they they film the whole thing, hmm. but for certain categories, they will only broadcast them later on. We're not going to broadcast them live. So huh. I don't know if we're going to do like a BAFTAs thing, so we have like a time delay, I guess. So we're going to start <sighs> start the ceremony earlier and have, have that delay, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't understand as well why they've done this like semi- news announcement now 
instead of just like <laughs> getting everything lined up and then announcing the whole- I have no earthly idea. Um, yeah. To be honest with you, my my, my the, the Oscars. We we all know the Oscars are an archaic institution. On a good day. Yeah. I mean... We, we still enjoy watching them because they're still fun yeah. to be had. Yeah, we enjoy it because that's, you know, that's the, big, it, the big film night, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's fun to predict things. And, yeah, I mean, it's getting more predictable as the years go by, admittedly. But, uh, you know, the Oscars, they're outdated. I mean, this is this is all reactionary panic uh, brought about by, you know, low ratings. You sort of think, that's not because your show isn't any good. That's just because there's about 26 times the amount of content in the world now than there was five years ago. Yeah. People that's don't, not going to change. It's going to get worse. More people, who watch the Os- more people watch the Oscars through YouTube clips now than ever watch the actual show. Yeah, definitely. But watch it the following morning or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. But that's it. Especially for like people in this country where sometimes it's difficult to watch a live stream of it. Unless you've got... Well, Sky exactly. Or- I mean, exactly. If they put on an actual live stream, like an unfiltered live stream, they could charge for that, and it probably and it probably would get it would get banged. I don't know why they don't do that. Uh, because the academy like is run by thing. old white people. Old white people are not exactly known for their forward thinking. Right. Yeah. I mean, famously. Famously, I mean, slavery, the tobacco industry, you know, just things like that. <laughs> uh, Brexit, alt right, just just things, you know. <laughs> yeah, not to generalise. One, really? fa- one of my favourite uh, comments I read about Brexit when the whole thing happened. <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've, you've, you've brought it up now, so it's fun. We really pivoted. Talk about. We're in a different podcast. Um, <laughs> someone on Twitter said, um, "If all the people who signed a, a book of uh, a memoriam for Princess Diana when when she when she died, mm. if all those people uh, somehow got like snapped out of existence, Brexit wouldn't have happened." What? Oh, so you're saying Thanos could have actually saved the EU? Yes. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny to have yeah. our goalposts, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but, um, yeah, this, this whole new category thing as well, mm. um, it's brought about other discussions of, well, why why don't we add categories that we've been waiting for for years and years, like... <laughs> stuntman? Stuntman. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one, isn't it, that everyone goes to, is stuntman. Yeah. Or, you know, or practical effects. Because we have visual effects, so how is it such of a stretch? Yeah, I get that. Because a stunt is a visual effect. Yeah. In fact, it's even more impressive a visual effect since it's actually been physically done. Exactly. So uh. there's that. Um, I always go for casting as well. Yeah, I, I always uh, go, for, go for casting. I always say that would that, be good. Yeah, definitely. Casting directors do not get... So it's just a, every time Chris Nolan has a new movie out, it's just his casting director yeah. walking away with it every time. Oh my God, he's got Tom Hardy again. Yeah. Oh, look, he's got Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine back together. This never happens. Yeah. Are we, are we good with, Mike, with Morgan Freeman, by the way? Because uh, he's on the, the Nutcracker poster. And oh, just, oh, is he? He's he on the is poster. on the Nutcracker poster. And I'm just thinking, hang on, I thought we would... Were we not doing the thing with Morgan Freeman, the same ousting yeah. thing that we're doing? Like I thought we were we were spacing him. I don't well I, I don't think we've got to a full resolution about that yet. Oh okay. So, so he's, for the time he's, being he's cool. I don't know if he's cool. I think he's in limbo. He's in limbo. Should we say? Oh yeah. god, imagine being in molested limbo. He, he's in one of the four realms from the <laughs> nutcracker <laughs> film. One of them being limbo. <laughs> Have you seen the first picture is out, by the way, of uh, Tom Hardy as Al Capone. Have you seen this? This is it it just looks insane. That's amazing. I mean it's better than De Niro, you gotta get that. <laughs> Yeah, this is the Josh Trank film, isn't it? Is this, is this Josh Trank? It's called Fonzo, isn't it? Yeah. But, oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Apparently the Meg is going to open soft. Only a $20 million opening. 
Well, well, I'm going to see it 12 times. Well, so I will, yeah. I'll, I'll give it some support. Also, maybe if you opened it in China, might make more money. Has it not been opened in China? I don't think it has, has it? Have you heard about the Winnie the Pooh news? No, what was it? Another reason news, what was it? Yeah, it- uh, Winnie the Pooh has been banned... Well, not Winnie the Pooh, Christopher Robin, sorry. Christopher Robin, Robin okay. has been banned in China. Yeah. Because I don't know if you know this. You probably will because you watched last week with John Oliver, like me. Yes. Um, Winnie the Pooh bears a striking resemblance to, to the president of Yes, China. he does, doesn't he? It's yeah. very odd, actually. And uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people that are anti him um, <laughs> just like just put up a lot of pictures of Winnie the Pooh when they want to say something negative about him. So Chris Robin's been banned in China. <laughs> That's amazing. Which is great. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, what's next? The next, uh, the next thing you know, like uh, oh, Kim Jong Un will start you know banning movies arbitrarily yeah. for taking the mick out of them. Mm. So uh, Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah, has added piles of dust. Added a couple piles, literally a couple piles of dust, hasn't yeah. it? So uh, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Kobe Smulders. Yeah. Coming back. Oh, man, that's that's good. I mean, does this mean S.H.I.E.L.D.'s actually going to be a thing now? Kobe Smulders, she also paints. Sometimes she, uh, she cooks. Sometimes she pats. Yeah. <laughs> she smolders, then pats. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, also, a Cowboy Ninja Vikings been shut down. Yeah, it was supposed to be filming next month, wasn't it? Yeah, so this is going to be Chris Pratt as... Is he like a super soldier or something who's got the best attributes of a cowboy, a ninja, ninja and, and a, a Viking? Viking. Yeah, it's, it's based on a graphic novel, which mm. sounds amazing. I've uh, never read it. Yeah, it sounds and looks incredible, but has been pulled yeah. indefinitely. And they just signed uh, a female lead, Bianca Chopra, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so, he, he apparently is still attached, still attached to produce. Um, Sean McLaren is still attached to direct it, but it's also been pulled. So <laughs> let's see. <laughs> By the way, you know uh, that struggling uh, company, MoviePass? Oh, yeah. You know the ones who basically are just annoying the entire US theatrical distribution system every mm, day now? Yeah. Uh, well, you know they've started funding movies now. They've, they've started, I heard. Yeah, yeah, they've started. They've got Bruce Willis to lead one for them. Bruce Willis? Bruce, Bruce Willis. I watched that clip last night. Did you? I did. I, wa- I watched the comedy roast the other day. Oh, Bruce Willis. I did as well. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. I, actually, his speech was the best, I thought. I really love the Edward Norton one. Edward Norton one was pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, he's, uh, he's doing like an in-depth character study about why he's actually popular. <laughs> pretty much. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this, this is going to be a thriller called Ten Minutes Gone. This is going to be the third film by Movie Pass Films. But, you know, I mean, it's fine lineage. It follows in the fine footsteps of Gotti and the Tau. The Tau, sorry. Oh, was, was Gotti a Movie Pass Gotti film? was their first one. <laughs> <laughs> the story revolves around a man who loses ten minutes of his memory due to being hit by a stray bullet in the midst of a bank heist gone wrong. Oh, okay. So, he, like, so like the most recent 10 minutes? I'm not sure. Hang on. He must race to assemble the pieces of his broken memory in order to find out who sabotaged the job and took all the money, all while being pursued by a powerful crime boss. Oh, that's Bruce Willis. Hell-bent on recovering the cash. So it sounds like, yeah, another phoning it in project. He's going to be in it for 10 minutes. Yeah, he totally is. Yeah. He absolutely is. <laughs> Two days worth, worth of work, $10 million. Yeah, probably about that. Yeah. Isn't it $2 million a day now? I thought he he claims his rate is two million a day, I'm sure. Sounds about right. (laughs) Oh, Bloodshot's begun filming. Yeah, so that is uh, Vin Diesel. (laughs) Have you seen the uh, Robbie Collins tweet, by the way, that says, apparently at the end of the Meg, Jason Statham stops fighting the shark because his mum's name is Meg. (laughs) (laughs) How do you say, where did you learn that name, underwater? 
Mm. Yeah, where did you get that name? Where did you get that name? <laughs> uh, so uh, I think we've got one last review to do, haven't we? We've got uh, the, the heiresses to do. Oh, okay. Okay, the heiress. I put my notes for this one. I actually, I, I know I really liked this one. Hang on, the heiresses. AKA Las Her- Herodaris. Las Herodaris. Okay, so this is written and directed by Marcelo Martinesi, making, um, making his feature debut. This is the story of a an older gay couple, uh, two women, one of whom is le- is more of a homebody than the other. She's got not quite um, what do they call that shut in syndrome, agoraphobia, not quite as a, not yeah, quite agoraphobia. She just doesn't. She's a bit of a hermit. Mm. She's an artist, a painter. She works from home. She prefers to stay at home. She can't quite look after herself and does the medication and things. Her partner does that for her. By the way, this couple greatest name for a couple ever, right? Right. They are Chayla. And Chiquita. They're great. They're that's, great, aren't they? Good. Chayla and Chiquita. That is a brilliant... That, that should be a kids animated series. Chayla and, and Chiquita. Chiquita. Solve crimes. <laughs> it would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Cagney and Lacey in animated form, but Hispanic. But uh, anyway, so... Um, uh, Chiquita goes to prison for uh, what is basically fraud tied to a debt because they're in financial strain. She's taken on a debt that's basically seen her go to prison for fraud. Right. Turns out that their prisons are uh, somewhat uh, a popular meeting th- a meeting place on visiting day. They turn the whole place into like a town square. Mm. Um, so basically, Chayla has to learn to cope without Chiquita for an unspecified amount of time. It could be a few weeks, it could be a few months, it could be a year. Um, it's just basically taken as a thing that just happens. They just go they come back that's it time served done um on her own however she decides to basically become an uber driver <laughs> like an, well, of course. like an, an unregistered uber driver specifically for women of her social sort of stature and this this uh take this basically leads to a new friendship with a much younger woman i think her name is uh angie uh which basically starts to change chayla's outlook in the world and her sense of self-worth uh we've not got a clip obviously because it is foreign language um i did i mean first of all i mean it's incredibly rare to see a movie in any language that features an older gay female couple True. You know what I mean? Like you, do, you barely see that in the English language. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I saw that in the English language, actually. Seems like a lifetime ago. Um, there's an undercurrent of black comedy runs through the whole thing, but it is a character piece. It is basically one big sustained character arc, largely for Chayla, okay. who's played by uh, Anna Brun, and she just sells the hell out of it. She's just a really great performance. The performances across the board are perfect. They're really tuned in with the sort of tone of it. That low-level black comedy that runs under it, the performance is key into that as well. So it, it never becomes a comedy. Yeah, It is faintly comedic, but it is never a comedy. And the performances very specifically keep it in that line, which is good. I thought it was really well handled. Um, Anna Bruin, and I thought of uh, Boyle from Brooklyn Nine-Nine when I wrote this, uh, really just plays like the Paraguayan Diane Weist. This is Paraguayan. This movie, by the, way. the Paraguayan Diane Weist. It was Diane Weist. There's a, there's a sense you don't hear every day. Um, I thought it was, it's a really interesting character piece. It's filled with actually engaging characters. On the whole, really loved it. I always think about Peter Griffin and Family Guy every time I see Diane Weist in a film. Why? I think it's like, it's like a painting or something he's doing on like a jigsaw puzzle and he's putting it together. And then at the end he's like, it's Diane Weist. Every time I see him in anything, I'm always like, it's Diane Weist. (laughs) Where's Father Clip? Yeah, Um, yeah, so uh, the heiresses, I really liked it. It sounds interesting. It's just not bad. Again, you've got a screen link. But uh, anyway, so uh, what's what's left in the news then this week? Um, Films are being made. Um, (laughs) There's some films being made, Case. This is news. Hollywood continues to be an industry. Um, Yeah. 
Let's talk about... Hang on a minute. Uh, Okay. The Picard series is set in the Kelvin universe, according to CBS Legal. Huh. Right. Explain that to people who... Okay, you don't know that? Yeah. The Kelvin universe is an alternative timeline in the Star Trek universe. The Kelvin universe is the universe that starts at a divergent point when the USS Kelvin is destroyed at the beginning of J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek. That's what I thought. There you go. So it's Chris Pine timeline. Yeah. Okay, that is interesting because Discovery is prime. Prime, yeah. Because now we've got two Star Trek talents. We've got that's Prime. That's where like Scott Prime, you know, Scott Prime, <laughs> Scott Prime is, is the guy you should go to school with. How you doing, hey. man? I'm Scott. <laughs> I'm Scott, Scott Prime. Prime. <laughs> I'm <from> Amazon. <laughs> He's like Optimus Prime's illegitimate son. Just a stoner named Scott. <laughs> Scott Scotty Prime. Some woman just turned up on Optimus Prime's doorstep one day with a stoner teenage son. It's your like, problem now. Like, <laughs> this is your son. His name's Scott. <laughs> Never see him again. I have to go to prison for fraud now. So is your problem <laughs> this went in a very Jim Jeffries direction Again, Spock Prime Spock Prime say. yes so Spock Prime <laughs> is from the William Shatner universe which is the Prime timeline yeah and uh, Kinto Spock as I've been calling him Kinto Zach, Spock Kinto Spock yeah. he's from obviously that's the Chris a, that's Pine. a dish from uh, Wagamama's isn't it? is it a Kinto Spock yeah I love, it. I love a chicken Kinto Spock do you know I won loads of free food uh, from Wagamama's recently uh, in a promotion. Where was mine? Well, I was in Toho Square at the time. Oh, well, and I, I, don't, I don't particularly like Thai food, so I just gave them all to Bex. Oh, um, fudge you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I would have paid £50 <coughs> to go to Wagamama for free. Oh, can I read you the note? Right, because we can put a spoiler warning out now. So, spoiler warning. Not really a spoiler warning, but just just in case. Because there are some people who get a bit petty about this. Like um, me. But I don't think you will. Depends on what it's about. Oh, actually, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. I'll tell you is, what. Is, is it about Meg? It is about Meg. Then no. No, I'm not going to do it. No. I'm going to I'm gonna wait till you see it, and then I'm just going to say it to you privately. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm going right. to do. I'll do that like a good boy. Yeah. I will. Okay. Jeez. Well, do you want to wrap it there? Yeah, I think it's best. Yeah, I think I think, I think it's for the best. Yeah. <laughs> okay. On which note, here it is, your moment of cage. Yeah, 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 yeah. This Ooh. is the Taliban. That's what this is. Oh. This is the so I'm going to get a mother They blow themselves up. That's money. Yeah. Where's the, money? Hey, shut! Where's the 15,000? You don't get it, man. Relax. All that. Did I not do what I said I was going to do? Yo, man. Relax. Tell me again to relax. I'm not looking to beat you, man. Where's my money? I'll get your money. When? Tomorrow. Where? My place. Give me a cut of the uncut dope. Look, I'm going to pay you in money. This is interest. That's bull****, man. What's that, little man? Yo, Mitch, chill out. Here. Now put that gun away before you kill somebody. Kill all of you. To the break of dawn. (laughs) (laughs) To the break of dawn, baby. (laughs) 